When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. We often take for granted having modern conveniences at our fingertips. But for many moms who don't live in urban communities, these plans look a little different. What if the nearest hospital was 40 minutes or more from your house? Or if you only had one health clinic in your town? What does it look like for a mom seeking breastfeeding support right after birth in these circumstances? Today, we're talking about what it's like to breastfeed in a rural community. We're the Boob Group. I use a breast pump. I hand express milk for my baby. I exclusively breastfeed. I use a nipple shield. I breastfed after a C-section. I use a milk bank. I breastfeed in public whenever I feel like it. I pump at work. I breastfeed with a cover. I breastfeed twins. I give my baby bottles. I made my own supplemental nursing system. I supplement with formula. I talk to my baby while I breastfeed. I'm breastfeeding as a survivor of sexual abuse. When I have extra milk, I share it with other moms. We are equal. We are the Boob Group. Welcome to the Boob Group. We're here to support all moms wanting to provide breast milk to their babies. I'm your host, Darian Foster, and I'm so excited for our discussion today. And I'm joined by our producer, Melanie. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Darian. I'm so excited too. I'm Melanie Hershorn. I'm a mom of two and the CEO and designer of Utterly Hot Mama Nursing and Pumping Wear. If you haven't yet, we do encourage you to download the new Mommy Media Network app. It gives you easy access to all of our episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast through iTunes so that all of our latest episodes download right to your mobile device automatically. And if you're on iTunes, please leave us a review so other mamas can learn all about us. Awesome. So let's meet our moms joining our conversation today from all over the country. Sunny and Cindy, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Well, I'll start first. I'm Sunny. You guys know me. I'm so excited to be a guest today. I'm not awesome. producing. I'm not hosting. I'm just <laughs> I'm just one of the girls. I have four kids of my own. My oldest is six and he's a boy. And I have a four-year-old boy. And then I have twins that are three that just stopped nursing. But I was tandem nursing them for just about three years. Very proud of that. I was pumping. I didn't have to supplement at all. It was one of those amazing things. But I did do some supplementation with my boys. Done a bunch of different things. And right now, I'm kind of on the outs of breastfeeding. We're not planning to have more kids. So it's a little bittersweet, but I loved my breastfeeding experience and I'm happy to talk about it. Cindy? Yes. Hi. Thanks so much for inviting me to be part of this as well. I'm a Canadian nurse and lactation consultant, and it's been quite a while since I've breastfed as well. Uh, my youngest is 19 and my oldest is 27, and I have a 21 year old there in the middle. So I'm really happy to join you guys, and well done, Sunny. Oh, thank you. Pat pat on my back. Thank you, Cindy. And I used your app, which I know we're going to talk about later on, but it really did help me in breastfeeding my twins in the beginning. They were preemie, so it it helped for sure. That's awesome. Thank you. That's amazing. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll be right back after this break. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. 
Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Today we are briefly going to talk about news out of the University of Missouri. They have researchers there who have found that rural employers are failing to meet the needs of working breastfeeding mothers. And one part of this research is that they found that employers often saw breastfeeding as a personal decision, so they didn't want to bring up the issue with their employees. And they found that to help these young mothers, proactive discussions should occur at all levels, family, workplace, and community. Well, ladies on the panel today, it seems kind of like a no-brainer to me. What do you think, Darian? Let's ask Darian first. What do you think? Absolutely. I think this is something, as you said, that should be a no-brainer. I believe they should have a general policy about accommodating moms. It shouldn't be, well, for Sarah, we're going to do this, but for Madison, we're going to do this. It should be a general policy. If a mom is breastfeeding, okay, and she comes to us and she notifies us, then okay, we get her the key to the pumping room. We make sure she has these break times allotted and it should just go smoothly. But Sunny, what do you think about it? Yeah, I I can't say that I'm surprised by this, but I am all for providing moms, working moms, with as much support as possible. I think they have such a difficult job. I applaud every mom that's listening right now that is pumping from work and, you know, trying, you know, breastfeeding their babies as they're dropping them off at daycare and then trying to do work and, you know, schedule pumping breaks and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, and anything that we can do to help them, you know, I'm I'm a big advocate for. And I think that... uh, A lot of times we put a lot of pressure on moms that, okay, you have to breastfeed exclusively for six months or a year or whatever, but we don't give them enough support to be able to accomplish that. It's more like this is what you need to do. And then as a mom, I'm thinking, great, how? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Absolutely. And, it, and it starts with, you know, uh, the employers recognizing that this is not just a personal choice. I mean, this is, I mean, it is a personal choice, but it, it's a health choice and, and more and more moms are making it. And Cindy, you must run into so many moms who you work with who are going through the same kind of thing where they just don't feel like they have a support in the workplace. Absolutely. And I think it really stems, it's a societal thing in general, right? I think that we just need to really view breastfeeding as the norm so that it's not a big deal that you're going back to work and and pumping. So I think it is part of the whole bigger societal thing. And I think as moms too, we have to be really supporting each other, saying, yeah, I pumped at work, or great job. Or if there's that mom that's pumping and carrying her cooler bag that we high five her in the elevator. (laughs) I just think it's important to stand together. Thank you all so much. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're talking about what breastfeeding looks like in rural communities. Joining us is registered nurse and IBCLC Cindy LeClaire of Cindy and Jana, a website inspired by their successful phone app, New Nest, that is designed to help parents of new babies with those crucial questions and make the newborn period as peaceful and enjoyable as possible. And stay tuned for the end of the show for how you can save 50% on their online classes. Cindy, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Darian. It's great to be here. Thank you. Okay, so let's get started with our discussion. So what do you think most rural communities consist of in regards to clinics and hospitals? Do you think there's a lot of them or only a few of them? Sunny, let's start with you. 
I'm not really sure, honestly. Anywhere that I've lived has been closer to a big city, so I've never really had to... What I've seen has been, you know, e- even if it wasn't something that was right in my town, it was something I could get to within, you know, 20, 25 minutes. Sometimes I wish I lived in a rural area <laughs> where I wasn't, you know, in the hustle and bustle of everything. Um, but from my personal experiences, I've always had, you know, quite a bit of resources available. But Sydney will probably have a different perspective on it than me. Well, in the area where I live, in the province of Saskatchewan, which is in Canada, there's a wide variety. And I suspect that in the U.S. it's the the same. Um, you know, sometimes people are 20 or 30 minutes maybe away from a clinic or hospital. Others have to travel several hours. And in fact, there's rural parts of Saskatchewan where people might even have to take a flight to access a oh, hospital. Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. And Cindy, we were discussing about where I went to college in Bloomington, Indiana, there is only one hospital there. And so the surrounding counties like Monroe County and everything around that area, they have to travel 30 minutes or to an hour to get to the hospital when they're in labor. And so a lot of moms actually, when I was teaching breastfeeding classes at at a WIC office there, um, kind of discussed going there, like they had to really schedule their appointments really thoroughly because they needed that 30 minutes to an hour to get there for appointments and also for their labor and delivery and everything. So that's really interesting. And what do you think um, the breastfeeding culture looks like in a rural community, Cindy? Well, again, I think it was probably going to vary from place to place. I think there's perhaps some rural areas that maybe are more breastfeeding friendly than some of the more urban areas. Like maybe that whole idea of farm to table and valuing, just the whole idea of this is kind of what's natural. Uh, Maybe more support. I know some of the rural communities that I visit are very supportive of breastfeeding. And there may be others that maybe don't have that. So I, I think it's probably hard to generalize. Absolutely. And do you think that that's an issue for them having to travel so far to get breastfeeding support? Or do you think there's enough support where they live to where it's not really a big deal? Well, and I would guess that really it's not ideal support in those communities. And, you know, I think one of the big supports is that mother to mother support and the extended family support and sometimes that could be really amazing and perhaps their family lives right around them and are supportive of breastfeeding in in which case that could be a real advantage Um, but it may be that their family isn't near them and maybe there's not even a lot of breastfeeding moms in that community or other moms that have babies that of that age and certainly in terms of accessing professional support they would have to travel Absolutely. And what other challenges or barriers to breastfeeding do you think these mothers in rural communities face, you know, who reside in these areas on a day to day basis with breastfeeding, especially maybe in those first couple weeks of breastfeeding? And anybody is open to answer this, but Cindy, you can start. And again, that first couple of weeks is so critical in establishing breastfeeding. And I, I could see that if you're in a rural community and you're having problems or or you're going through something that you perceive as a problem, even if maybe it's something that's normal that the baby's doing, it's really great to have the access to resources. So I can see that if you maybe aren't going to see anybody for another week, I can see why breastfeeding rates may fall off a little more quickly than if you could access help immediately. And and just jumping off to what, of what Cindy has said, I totally agree. I mean, having lived in a big city and in a small city when I was nursing my children, 
if I didn't have the access to help that I did, I don't know what I, I might have done. I hear from women all the time that they don't know where to turn for help. And they live in big cities where if you do a quick Google search of lactation consultant in Houston, you know, 12 people come up right away. If, if you're living in, in a small town, you might have hours and hours between you and the nearest lactation specialist. Absolutely. And sometimes perhaps there may be the healthcare professionals that might be closer to them may not have maybe the most, they may not specifically have training in breastfeeding, right? So they may be able to access a doctor or a public health nurse who can give them some information, but maybe not, maybe sometimes they need somebody with a little bit more expertise. So what, going off of that, because there has to be a way to be able to remotely get that support to the moms wherever they live. And so what programs or specific lactation support do you think can be added either on the internet or even a mobile lactation service or something like that? What kind of programs or support can be added to make breastfeeding more accessible to women in rural communities? Well, there's a couple things that spring to my mind. And I just think knowledge is key and especially prenatal knowledge for mums. So, and I, I think that's important for all mums to kind of be able to anticipate what's coming, to kind of know what's normal. I see over and over in my practice, like little things that trip mums up, whereas if they could learn a little bit before the, the baby arrives, they'll be a little bit more prepared. And especially if you're going and you don't have a lot of support around you, I think that key, that knowledge is really key. And online is really a wonderful thing that we have now. Unfortunately, the internet has a lot of things on it that maybe aren't the best <laughs> and the most accurate, mm -hmm. but I think being able to access and knowing who to trust, and there's some wonderful online resources, some wonderful websites, but I think getting familiar with them before your baby comes is really key because when you're sleep deprived and in the middle of uh, a crisis, it's hard to search for answers. Absolutely. I think that was extremely important, prenatal education, as well as educating our healthcare providers um, so that they don't just ask, especially for me, even though I don't live in a rural community, but when I was pregnant with my daughter, all they asked was, "Were you? are you bottle feeding or are you breastfeeding? They didn't give me any other information other than that. So I think if, even if the healthcare providers don't necessarily have a uh, broad knowledge of breastfeeding, if they can at least just know some of the resources or can give them like, well, these are some of the things that if you breastfeed, your baby will get and some of the benefits for you as well. I think that would really go a long way. That's really interesting. Yes. And I, um, I also think education for the people, the peer-to-peer -peer supporters and for doulas. I don't know if they're popular in the U.S. Certainly in the area where I live, doulas are very popular. You know, Jan and I just last weekend did a six-hour breastfeeding education with some real keen doulas who really want to be able to provide that support. Uh, we're also doing peer-to-peer -peer breastfeeding support so that other moms will be able to help other moms breastfeed. We honor some of our First Nations communities. We've done some education of the Cookums and other women so that again, when you encounter a problem, there's supportive people around you. So I think, yeah, education for the moms, education for the healthcare professionals, and education for the lay people. That's amazing. So all about education and knowledge. I love it. Okay, Cindy, what kind of support do you think we can offer to fathers so that they can support 
the mothers breastfeeding in these rural communities? Oh, thank you so much for asking that because yes, that that is probably research shows that the partner support is so key in the in the success of breastfeeding. So absolutely, we really like to include the partners in the prenatal breastfeeding education and the postnatal breastfeeding education. Very key, and they're the ones maybe when the moms are uh, getting frustrated who can know where things are online and help pull up information um, that they know to be accurate and true. And I think if you have two sets of ears, you have the mom and the partner, um, then what the mom can't remember, the partner can help remind gently of. Absolutely. Uh, partners play an extremely important role. Thank you so much. And so when we come back, we're going to talk about what the research says about what breastfeeding looks like in rural communities. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're talking about what breastfeeding looks like in rural communities. In the first half, we talked about what breastfeeding looks like in rural communities with our expert, Cindy. Now let's talk about what the recent research says about breastfeeding in rural communities. So we did a little research, and this article is coming from Rural Remote Health. It was published back in 2011. And if you want more information on it, you can check it out and visit the episode page if you want to learn more about it. So the first thing, the major thing that they found was that women in rural communities have a high initiation rate, somewhere around 97%, which kind of mimics what happens in urban communities as well, but has a low prevalence of breastfeeding duration. So it's actually even lower than that of urban communities. And also poverty is a key indicator of breastfeeding duration. So the research said the poorer you are, the less likely you are to breastfeed in rural communities. And that's somewhat reverse actually of urban communities because in the research for urban communities, it's more so that the further away you are from being poor, the more likely you are to kind of use supplements and things like that because of, I don't think that's it's because of um, anything specific, but maybe because of mindset that we can afford formula and things like that. But for women in rural areas, it's because of a lack of transportation, limited healthcare resources. Um, we kind of talked about having to drive really far to get to the hospital or get to a healthcare clinic. What if you don't even have a car? Those kinds of things. Limited assistance programs and ways to access them. And because of these circumstances, Cindy, you touched on this, prenatal education is crucial for these women. And so the idea is while you have them in the doctor's office, you have to talk to them about breastfeeding. And you talked about that. And so that was really interesting. And so let's talk a little bit about the technology piece that we talked about. How do you think your new Nest app, Cindy, and your online classes will help these women in rural communities who struggle to get breastfeeding help? Well, we know that the childbearing generation is really looking for answers online. And I think I mentioned before that there's a lot of information online that isn't very good and not very helpful for people. So really, what we've tried to do in our app, New Nest, and on the website is really have evidence-based information that kind of takes people through the steps of the most frequent questions parents with newborns have. So again, I think if people could download New Nest, which is free on the uh, Apple App Store, uh, if they can download it during pregnancy and, and comb through the information and kind of know where that information is so that when maybe they're having a problem or they have a question, they'll know where to go. And we should mention that new nest is not spelled like it sounds, is it? <laughs> You're right. It's spelled N-U-U-N-E-S-T. 
Is that, is that that must be the Canadian spelling, right, Cindy? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> and Sunny, you said that you actually used the new Nest app with your twins. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I did because, wow, uh, Cindy, how long ago, when, when did you originally launch the app? I think it was 2013. 2013. Wow. I remember us talking about it on the boob group. We launched the boob group in, in 2012. And I think um, right after your app came out is when we first ta- talked about it on the show. And so for everyone that's listening is there's actually a section on our website for apps and so if you want you know direct link to her app you can you can find it there and so that's how I found out about it though was we were talking about it on the boob group and uh and when I was pregnant with my twins I downloaded it because I thought man this is gonna be kind of a, a little a, you know a lot for me to track <laughs> right and I really mm-hmm. wasn't sure and especially because uh they're they were 35 weekers born at 35 weeks I knew that uh, they didn't need the NICU but we still still we had a I had to do a lot of pumping in the beginning I was pretty much an exclusive pumper for the first five weeks until they caught up to yeah their their actual due date or whatever but it was fine I mean it, it, it was a lot you know I was pumping every three hours even throughout the night but the app really helped me and I, I really appreciated the fact that you guys had the ability because a lot of apps don't to be able to track two babies at once and be able to go back and forth and so I I, I mean that was really my lifeline is you know I, I can't say I looked at a lot of the information on the app but as far as tracking stuff was concerned and, and which you know side was I using and how much did I pump and what time was it and all of that I just found to be very helpful and informative. Absolutely. That's amazing. Okay. So I know we've been talking a lot about, um, you know, different ways that moms in rural communities can can get their information. And Cindy, as an expert, I'm wondering what you think about this. I've seen more and more experts, lactation consultants and professionals starting to do uh, like Skype sessions. And I've even seen, we've talked about another app actually that, that came out called Pacify, where it could connect you directly with, I mean, it's like a subscription type program and connect you directly with a lactation consultant, a live one, just by like hitting a button. So I'm wondering what you think about this this kind of communication where literally it's kind of at our fingertips. I guess all you really need is, you know, in the internet to be able to access it and, and what maybe some of the pros and cons are of getting lactation support that way. Well, I think a huge pro is that then anyone anywhere can access the support. So I think that's huge and we're starting to see that more and more that people are doing it in that way. As somebody who's practiced now for 20 years, I think it, it will be challenging. There's things that you can see when you're one-on-one as, uh, you know, maybe I position myself a little differently and position, you know, according to where the mom is, um, things that are easier for me to do when I'm actually with the mom. But, you know, I haven't actually done it, the consults via Skype, but I certainly think that it would be better than having no support. So I really like that idea. That's what I was thinking. Like as a mom, if I had a problem like in the middle of the night or I mean, maybe not in the middle of the night, but if I had a problem and I knew it was going to take me two hours to get to support yes. And, yes. and I wanted, I, I'm thinking it might help just alleviate any concerns that aren't really issues for moms. And then perhaps as a consultant, someone could look and say, you know what? I'm not sure about that. Let's be a hundred percent sure. And I do think that it's probably worth it for you to make that trip to the, the doctor's office or the lactation consultant that's two hours away. I think that's brilliant. Yep. You know, another thing that we didn't talk about is the Facebook support groups that are around now. I just read something today. Uh, Somebody was saying they're breastfeeding their fourth and they really credit it. They weren't successful breastfeeding their first three. 
and they really credit it to the support of the Facebook group they were part of. So that's another way women can get support. What's so nice about that is, I think I mentioned like in the middle of the night, that is when you can get that kind yes. of support. Yes. You know everyone is awake breastfeeding yes. in the middle of the night. Absolutely. It's true. And you don't have to feel like you're bugging, you know, a specific person. It's more like, hey, if you happen to be awake, you're going to see this post. And if not, I'm not bugging you anyway. So <laughs> it's all good, right? Yes. And you can post pictures as well of anything that you need yeah. help with. That's really good. Cindy, just to talk a little bit more about technology, what kind of new technology do you think might help mothers in the future to kind of cancel out these barriers like poverty and transportation to where they don't make such a huge effect on them with breastfeeding? Mm -hmm. Well, another initiative that uh, that John and I have done is that's Jana Stockham. She's a colleague of mine is we realize that not everybody can travel to a bigger center and get the prenatal education around breastfeeding that might be helpful for them. And we were asked by people living in our province if we could do something to help out. And so we actually have put what we do as an in-person prenatal breastfeeding class, we put it in an online format. And so it's in a segment of 12 videos. And so I think things like that, like videos are how people learn right now. And so I think technology allows that to happen, right? There's some wonderful platforms out there for uh, podcasts are also another great way. Um, so I think I think it, the world is getting smaller because of technology. That's a score for breastfeeding moms, isn't it? Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. And I'm sorry, I forgot to mention where that breastfeeding article was from. It's actually from Rural Remote Health. And it was actually conducted and published back in 2011. And you can find it on pubmed.gov. So just so moms can access that. But I think technology is really going to help moms in any kind of circumstance be able to have more breastfeeding support. Thank you so much to everyone for being a part of today's show and for sharing their experience. Earlier in the show, we told you about a 50% discount Cindy is offering our listeners for our online classes. It's a great way to reach out to rural moms. Cindy, can you tell us a little bit more about your the classes that you offer? So, um, it's called Simply Breastfeeding. And if you go to simplybreastfeeding.ca, uh, you can just see our online class. Um, there's actually an, uh, one of the videos that you can just watch for free on how to position yourself. And uh, there's 12 videos in on the class. So have a look at it. Awesome. And for more information about this discount, visit our website at newmommymedia.com slash deals. If you're a member of the boob group, then be sure to check out the bonus content for this episode where we'll discuss how high school breastfeeding education will help mothers in rural communities. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Today we're going to answer a question from one of our listeners. Her name is Erin M. Hi, my exclusively breastfed four-month-old had a change in her bowel movements the past few weeks. Her stools have been dark green and runny for at least one bowel movement a day. I took her to the pediatrician when I saw that one stool had a small amount of blood in it. They did some tests and the results came back normal. So they said she may have a milk protein allergy and to cut out all dairy and soy. 
I was surprised to hear this as I have eaten dairy all along and she didn't have any issues beforehand. For one week, I have cut out all forms of obvious dairy like cheese, milk, etc. from my diet, but I have not gone as far as to eliminate soy and anything that has dairy listed in the ingredients. Her stools seem to have regulated, although she still has a stool off and on that is abnormal. Do you think an elimination diet is necessary? And if so, how do you go about adding dairy and soy back in so that she doesn't build up an intolerance? Also, any advice on getting calcium if I do need to eliminate the dairy would be really helpful. Thank you. Hi, Erin. This is Michelle, an IBCLC from the Washington, D.C. metro area. Elimination diets can be tricky, as you can see, and sometimes the cause of a stool being off can be something we'd never guessed. On a personal note, my third baby reacted to the coloring used in water flavor drops, and he had green stools, and it was only by chance that I discovered this. It could also have been a virus, a surface cut on her backside, or something else entirely. It sounds like she's regulated out, though, despite what you're eating, and breastfed babies can have many types and colors of stool. We often say that anything that is an autumnal color is appropriate. In addition, it generally takes much longer than one week to see the effects of an elimination diet, so I would guess there's something else going on that caused the off stool. Keep in close touch with your pediatrician and make sure she's gaining well and generally happy. If you continue to have concerns, a visit to a gastroenterologist might be a good idea, and as always, consult a local IBCLC for more specific answers. Good luck! That wraps up our show for today. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, newbies for newly postpartum moms, parent savers for moms and dads with toddlers, and twin talks for parents of multiples. This is The Boob Group, where moms know breasts. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.